0: Look to the word of God this morning. So you can find that spot while we're collecting all the connection cards. All right, well, as you're finding that, or maybe you've already found the spot that we're looking at in scripture, we're looking at other passages as well, but this is the text that's going to kind of launch us for this morning, I want us to pray first. I don't want to miss out on anything that Jesus has for us this morning. The Bible tells us, without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, man, men, women, we cannot understand the things of God. It's not possible. God illuminates our eyes to see that which we need to see. As a matter of fact, in this passage, Matthew 13, the entire chapter, is a whole bunch of parables, and Jesus even explaining why he speaks in parables, but but in that he explains that only God can give you eyes to see. And so uh, I don't know about you all, but I want eyes to see this morning everything that God has for me. So if that's your desire, put your hand over your heart, the place where God speaks to us as we pray now that God would teach us this morning what we need to learn. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are here and that your Holy Spirit is with us. We pray, Holy Spirit, come now and help us understand the heart and the mind of God. We we want to know not only what this these passages mean, but we want to know personally how to apply them to our lives. So give us not only understanding and insight, but give us courage to do what you're asking us to do this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm glad you found that spot. I'm gonna read it in just a second, but I want to give you a little background of where, where we're going today and why. At the beginning of service, for those of you who are here right at the very beginning. My first words to all of you were aloha, because, and I explained to you all that uh, Amy and I just spent 11 incredible days in Maui uh, at uh, her parents' home. They were actually gone, so it was just the two of us, Amy and I, well, they were there for the first two days, then they got in a plane to go visit Amy's sister and uh, their new baby, uh, sister and brother-in-law new baby, and uh, we spent... uh, just a wonderful time celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. We're actually, our actual anniversary is July 29th, but um, the the dates for a place all to ourselves were in June, so we we took advantage of that and uh, spent really just 11 incredible days in Hawaii. And I just, I I wanna say this to you, and you'll see how this all ties in, but it was incredible. Amy, I talked about this afterwards. This is the best vacation that we've ever had personally, just the two of us. Uh, And one of the things, you know, I mean, it's Hawaii. It's pretty hard to have a terrible vacation in Hawaii. I mean, it was, it was great. And we, we, we are both beach bums, so it was great. We were at the beach every day. I, every, every time we go there, because family's there, we always pack way too much. And, and I did again, because basically I lived in my bathing suit. I mean, so I was bathing suit, pajamas, and that was it. I mean, pretty much. And for me, that's like heaven, because they were just in the water all the time. And that was all great, and that stuff I expected, and I knew it would refresh me, and we got to just relax and read and just enjoy the beauty of God's creation there in Maui. But what uh, pleasantly surprised me was the spiritual depth and blessing that took place during our time away. And the title of today's message is Position for Blessing, and I'm not saying this to brag on either one of us, I just want to testify of what happens when you position yourself to receive blessing. We made a conscious choice right at the beginning of our vacation, you know, it's vacation time and we're there to celebrate our anniversary that we wanted to connect with Jesus every day. And so it was a little bit easier for us because it's a three hour time difference, so it was pretty easy to get up early in the morning. So we were usually awake by 6 a.m. just because it it's nine o'clock here. So we were awake and then we would make breakfast and then Amy went to her favorite spot, the lanai, the back patio of her parents' house had her Bible and her life journal, and I went to my father-in-law John's office, which is on the second floor that has a beautiful view of Molokini and and the beach, and grabbed my Bible uh, and my computer, because I was journaling and writing it down, and we just spent about an hour alone with Jesus every day. And then we would come back together afterwards and just share of what God was saying to us. And I mean, that's our desired regular practice here, is to journal every day, We don't have the time every day to just say, hey, what did Jesus say to you today? And we had rich, rich conversation. One of the days, that conversation actually, my wife sharing what Jesus said to her didn't know it, but she wrote today's message by just sharing of the depths of what God was speaking to her during our time away. But it was, it was just a beautiful time. And this is the truth. It's not to embarrass Amy. It's going to embarrass her, but I'm not doing that to embarrass her. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Sorry. <laughs> but the truth is, we've been married 25 years, and I am more in love with my life today than I was the first day I met her. It's just the reality. I, I am more in love today than I was the first day I met her. <laughs> but, the, and I, but part of the reason that is, is because we've been diligent in pouring into our marriage. And it was awesome. After 11 days, I just thought, my goodness, I am so much more in love with you than the first day I met you. And I know it's because we're positioning ourselves for God's blessings to flow. We met with Jesus and one another, and the intimacy of being with Jesus together is spectacular. And so we had a phenomenal time. And I, and I say this to encourage all of you, because the message today is how do you position yourself to receive the blessings that flow from heaven? And I know that in our church, there are some marriages that are thriving and there's others that are not so. And I, and I, I remember, I was, we were on the plane on the way back, it was a red-eye flight, because we wanted every minute we get on the beach. So on the way there, we left at 7 a.m., on the way back, we left at 11.30 p.m. And the only, only trouble with that is then we had to, I had to drive straight to the men's retreat with like an hour's sleep. So that wasn't the greatest thing, but the retreat was so spectacular, I really didn't care. But the, the, I remember being on the plane in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, and knowing we're coming home, and just thinking, my gosh, what we just did for 10 days, connecting with each other and Jesus, that's better than any marriage counseling in the world. And that if people, if couples that are struggling would just choose to connect to Jesus together, God's blessings flow and he he changes our hearts and he gives us the grace and, and the ability to extend forgiveness to one another. I mean, my wife's not perfect and I'm not perfect, but we're more in love and happy because Jesus is in the very center of our marriage. And so out of all this great 11 days together, actually a week ago last, uh, you know, on our vacation, one week ago today, we were worshiping in a movie theater in a shopping mall with a New Hope church that was a, as a church plant that's only a year and a half old, and it was so good to be on vacation for both of us to say, we want to be with other believers. And it was awesome to be with all these Hawaiian and Samoan brothers and sisters that love Jesus. And a pastor that Amy and I met a year ago at a pastor's conference, and we just showed up to surprise him. His name's K- Kippy Higa, and he's a professional fire dancer and pastor. And he is an awesome man of God. And so it was so cool to be with their church and seeing them you know, uh, just loving Jesus. Um, it was so, so good. And I know it's because of things like that that we just had a spectacular time because we just wanted to meet with Jesus. We also enjoyed each other and the beauty of that place. So today as we go to the word of God, I want to encourage us. God wants to bless you, but he wants to help us. I believe this, that for us, for many of us today, today is about realigning your life to get in position to receive blessing. That Some of you, the blessings of God are not flowing because you're out of alignment. You're, You're not positioned to receive all that God has for you. And so you need to just get back in that right place where God can flow all that he wants to flow in and to and then through you to others. So Matthew 13, 44 through 46 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field." Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. We're going to look at kings in a moment, but I want Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, because the blessings flow from his kingdom, and where his kingdom is established, he says, it's like this guy who walks in a field, he doesn't even own it, he's just he's walking around, and he sees this incredible treasure, he's like, oh my gosh, I want this, he covers it up, he goes back and he sells all that he has and buys that field because it's so precious, or it's like a man in search of a great pearl, he looks around, he goes to different merchants and he finds the one. Oh my gosh, it's the mother of all pearls, it's so beautiful, and goes home and sells everything just to have that precious pearl. Jesus speaking of the kingdom of God and saying that's how valuable the kingdom is. If you're taking notes, the first point is simply this. The blessings of heaven are to be highly valued. The blessings of heaven are to be highly valued. And I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm talking about heavenly blessings. Our men, we had 40 men at, our, at the retreat in Oxnard this past weekend, and we heard so much of the blessings that come from heaven. But we didn't hear stories of guys getting rich quick and having lots of cars and houses and vacation homes. But we heard stories that were incredibly inspiring of God redeeming lives, of God taking men that were once in prison and rebuilding their lives together, marriages and families that were broken and God putting them back together. Those blessings are priceless. And God is saying us today as a people, and Jesus said this in this passage, the kingdom of God and therefore the blessings that flow there are to be highly esteemed and valued and sought after. Son, encourage you. There's nothing better than what heaven has for you and I. There's nothing better. Now, the world around us might tell us there's things that are way better, but the reality is there's nothing better than living in that place where the kingdom of God is established in your life, in God's directive, in His blessings, in His peace, in His joy, and His presence flows. So if you hear anything else today, hear this. Pursue God with all of who you are. Contend for his kingdom to be established here in your heart and in your life because it's to be highly, highly valued. Secondly, it does not come at a cheap price. It's to be highly valued, but it is not cheap. And I think so often where we get hurt in the church, and certainly in the Western church where just the culture around us can influence us so much, as we just, we feel like we're entitled, and that it should come for free or really cheap. But in these two parables that Jesus shared, it is clear it's not cheap. As a matter of fact, it's the absolute opposite. In that set, the first parable, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then he, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to get it. And I'm just wondering here this morning, for those of you that maybe are struggling a little bit in life, or you don't feel like God has fully established his rule, his reign in your life. You don't, you don't feel his peace and his presence always in your home. I'm wondering, are you willing to pay the price to receive all that God has for you? I said something that, that was very sobering that a number of you talked to me about, about three weeks ago. Anybody know, what, what is the word of the Lord for us as a church this year? Anyone know that word? Renewal. Yeah, renewal. Renewal. Say with me, renewal. renewal. That's a good word. It's, it's the word that God has for us as a people this year. He, God does the renewing work. But we have to position ourselves to receive his work of renewal, of refreshing, of revitalizing us as a people, corporately and personally. But I said something about three weeks ago in a message about renewal. And I said this, I got very quiet for a moment. And I said, There are some in our Ohana, our family that when the year is over, you will miss it. And I wasn't saying it as a curse, I just said I believe that there's some that have still not determined in their hearts and their lives to fully surrender to his lordship. And because of that, this work of renewal that only he can do, you will miss. And so I wanna reiterate that point again, that there is a cost. And if you're thinking, I want the, you know, my marriage to be fixed just like that, That does not happen. Hearts can change rapidly, but the work of rebuilding and restructuring a marriage or bringing God's peace there takes work. And if you're not willing to do the work, it will never get better. It won't. It doesn't happen by magic. You don't just decide, you know, my spouse will be better, and it happens. It starts with you first, of all, anyways, but it takes work. And so whatever area of your life that you're contending for and saying, God, bring your blessings of renewal. If you don't count the cost first, you're going to miss it. And it is not cheap. Jesus said this about following him and and the, the kingdom of heaven and going where he's ultimately leading us, his presence. He said, Wide is the road, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many people find it. But narrow is the road, and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life and very few find it. I don't know about you all, but that scares the bejesus out of me sometimes. To to, to think that I could miss it, that very few find it. And I believe the reason so few find it is because they're not willing to pay the price. That we wanna believe in a gospel that just says, I found Jesus, I see the cross, I know he's not in the grave, oh I love you, come into my heart, amen. And that's it. And we're not willing to do what Jesus said, that if anyone really wants me, they must deny themselves, take up the cross, which is not exactly a picture of beauty and fun, and follow me. And so, church, I know it's a sobering, it's not a fun-to-receive word, but here's the deal. The blessings of heaven are flowing indeed. They are absolutely flowing in this place. And they're to be highly esteemed and sought after, but it is not cheap. So count the cost right now. And are you willing to say, you know what, Jesus, whatever it takes, I want all that you have for me. I want everything. If it's inconvenient to get up on Sunday morning, I really don't care. I just want to be in your presence. Lord, if, there's, if this person or that person invited me to a two or more small group where I can grow my faith, but oh gosh, you know, that's the night of the big game. I don't care, God. I just want you. As we as a church are encouraged constantly, get in the word daily, be fed of him. But God, it's so hard in the morning to get up and to seek you, it's just so difficult. Just let go of that. Say no to the flesh and yes, the spirit of the living God because he has much for each and every one of us. The blessings of heaven require faith. If you're taking notes, that's the third point. The blessings of heaven, not only to be highly valued, not only are are they are not cheap, there's a cost, but they require faith. Hebrews 11:6 says this: "And without faith, say without faith. Without faith. Say it again, without faith. Without faith. without faith. without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please him without faith. You, you can feed the poor, you can write the largest check anyone's ever written to the church, whatever, whatever you would think would be a good, generous, kind, loving thing. But if there's not faith, you cannot. Please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe this, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's really, really good news, that he rewards. Talking about blessings, positioning ourselves for blessings, he wants to bless you. He wants all of his promises for you that are yes and amen to flow to your life. He wants to use you as a conduit of blessing wherever you live. There's people visiting on vacation, wherever you, when you go back home, God wants his blessings to flow to you and through you to others. And so we must have faith, believe that he exists, that he is real, and that he does indeed reward those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.1, though, talking about faith, says what it is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And that's what I want to talk about for these next few moments I mentioned to you that uh, the, a big portion of this message was written on my heart as my wife and I were just sharing from our daily reading. For those of you who don't know, we have this reading program called Life Journals, and it's got a daily reading, and if we, if we stick to the program in a year, we read the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once, and so we've been doing it for, I don't know, 10 or 11 years now, and... I don't think any of us read 365 days, but over the years, we've read the entire scriptures. We just do our best to read every day. So as Amy and I were sharing, if you were in the reading with us while we were on vacation, you know that we, we've been reading in, in 2 Kings and Chronicles, the this, this story of God's people in his kingdom. And I want to share with you two stories that you might remember from the reading uh, about a week or so ago about the requirement of faith. The first one is from uh, 2 Kings 4. And actually, at the guys, at the men's retreat, you heard this story yesterday. But in 2 Kings 4, the prophet Elisha, is, his ministry is taking off, and there's a woman, a widow, who uh, is in a bad situation. She's, a, she's a, she obviously lost her husband, and with that, the source of income for the family. And she cries out to the prophet of God, Elisha, and says, my, my husband, we, we've been faithful. He was a faithful man of God, but he's gone, and, we owe some money, and because I cannot work and I have nothing, men are gonna come, the, the, the ones we owe debts to, and they're gonna take away the only thing I have left, my two sons. And the, the payment for my debt is to my two children. Help, I need help. And she says, all I have is a small little jar with a little bit of oil in it. And Elisha says something very interesting to her that requires faith. He says, go and get jars for oil, Go to all your neighbors, everyone around you, friends, whoever you have, and get jars. And then go in your house, you and your sons, and shut the door and fill up those empty jars with oil. That's crazy. She's got, all she has is a little jar with a little bit of oil in it. But she obeys. She takes a step of faith. She doesn't look with her natural eyes. Because the reality is you can have 50 Jars, jugs, stuff to collect oil. But if all I got is a little jar, like this little vial of oil right here, I don't know how that's going to fill up all my neighbors' jars of oil. And oil was a precious commodity then, and she could sell it and pay off her debt and live off whatever's left. That's not going to happen. You could, get you all of you, go home right now and give me all your jars. And with this, I'm not going to be able to produce a whole bunch more oil. But she obeyed. She looked not with her natural eyes, but with eyes of faith. And so she had her sons and her go out and collect as many jars as they could from her neighbors. And the scripture tells us they closed the door, they took the little bit they had and just started pouring. And they filled all of the jars with oil, to the point where mom was noticing, my gosh, they're all full, and said, sons, go get more. They said, mom, that's all that we can get. And so uh, it was over. And then Elisha said, now take X amount, this amount, sell it and pay off all your debts and keep your sons and then live off all the rest. To receive the blessings of God that are flowing to us, it requires faith to see not with these eyes, but with the eyes of the spirit of the heart, to trust God and to step forward in faith. Same... Season of our reading, we read a story. If you were reading in 2 Kings 5, the very next chapter, about a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was uh, the head of the armies of the king of Aram. So he was a high ranking military official, and he was also a personal servant of the king of Aram. And the king of Aram had a friendship with the king of Israel. And Naaman, this great warrior, soldier, and servant, had leprosy. And his servant who served him in his house was a Jewish woman who knew of the prophet Elijah and knew that God had done incredible miracles through him. And so when, he, when her boss, Naaman, was in great distress over his leprosy, she said, I know where you can find hope. Go to Israel because there's a man of God there that can heal you. So the king of Aram sent a letter to the king of Israel and said, that my like right-hand guy, my most important man... Needs healing, heal him. Well, the king of Israel freaked out because he's like, who am I? And he literally says, he, it says he tore his robes and said, what can I do? I can't raise him, someone from the dead. I, I, this is terrible. And what he said is, this guy's setting me up. This king is setting me up for failure because he's bringing his most important person in his kingdom to me to fix. I'm not gonna be able to fix him and war or something's gonna break out. Well, Elisha hears about the cry of his king, and says, quit tearing your robes, send the guy to me. All right, so he says, quit tearing your robes, send him to me. Um, and, and he'll know there's a man of God amongst God's people. So Naaman, this great warrior, soldier, and servant of his king, and his servants, trot on to Elisha's house. And they knock on the door, and Elisha doesn't go out. He sends his servant out and says, tell Naaman, go dip in the river seven times. And Naaman a man of authority and of power and with a little bit of an ego, is offended. And he says, what the heck? First of all, the rivers back home in Damascus, they're way better than that nasty river over there. And and on top of that, I mean, does he know who I am? I I would assume he would come out and he would wave his hands over my body and and pray some glorious prayer and I'd be healed. Healed. Forget that, we're out of here. And he begins to leave, but his servant says, wait a minute, if he would have told you to do some great thing, you would have done it, why not just dip yourself in the river seven times? Good servant, a good friend, and he says, okay, I'll do it. And he goes in the river of Israel seven times, and scripture tells us as he gets out of the water the seventh time, that his skin is like that of a young boy, fully restored. An awesome miracle, but I'll bet you there's times that you, like me, are like Naaman and we want the blessings of God, but God calls us to do something that we don't want to do, or that seems foolish or doesn't seem as grandiose as we are, and so we walk away. Maybe something as simple as you're hurting financially, and God simply says, would you start trusting with your tithes and offerings? Well, that, but that's just, that would require sacrifice from me, and that's not too, you know, glorious, that's not awesome. And God just saying, simply Be obedient. He's calling you to pray, or as many of our men heard about this past weekend, one of the things that would, they were a theme certainly was the extending of forgiveness, and so we're, we're wanting some awesome solution, or someone's gonna pray a prayer, pray, I'm gonna become a new incredible man, and we're hearing God say, yeah, and the pathway is forgiveness, and go forgive those that have hurt you, and you go, well, I, 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 you know what they did to me, you know who I am, or God, I, want, so, I don't want that, I just want you to throw your power upon me and make me a new man, and he says, no, 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 I want you to go. And just begin to extend forgiveness. Perhaps like naming. God is just calling you to a place of faith. Chances are that for many of us, we already know what that place of faith is. God loves to speak to his sons and daughters. And if you're struggling right now or you're not feeling God's blessings flow in your life, perhaps you should go back to the last time God spoke to you. He called you to do something that didn't seem all real exciting or joy-filled or easy for you to do. And maybe we need to simply go back and dip ourselves the river seven times, the place that we didn't want to dip ourselves and watch the blessings of God flow. Is this making sense to you all? Yeah, you all awake? Good. I got one more point. The blessings of God requires you to dig. It requires you to dig. During the same time of our reading away, we read another great story in 2 Kings. It was chapter three. And the king of Israel and a couple of other kingdoms came together to go out to the battlefield. Uh, They were coming against the enemies of God and their general geographic vicinity. And as Ahab, the king at that time, who was not a godly king, and his other compatriots and their other kingdoms were marching out into the desert to defeat their enemies, um, the journey took a while. And they ran out of water. And they began to grumble and complain. And the men of Israel cried out, well, Where is God in all this, and where is the prophet of God? And so they called Elisha. He came out to the desert, to the battlefield, and said, you know, what's your deal? And they said, we want to hear from God. So he said, okay, I'll pray to God. And uh, this is what he said in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3 of 2 Kings. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And so they obeyed. I mean, they're out in the desert, and the solution is start digging. And so they just start digging ditches, one over here, and then walking somewhere else, and they're just digging sand in the desert, and they're not finding a well. They're just digging holes in the desert, and then they go to sleep without water, and they wake up in the morning, and the ditches are full for the men, for their cattle, for their chariots, and they go on to victory, not looking with natural eyes, but eyes of the Spirit. I read a commentary from uh, Matthew Henry's uh, commentary, and I want to read it to you right now. I believe it might even be on the television screens, but he says this about this passage and this story. To try their faith and obedience, Elisha bids them make the valley full of pits to receive water. Those who expect God's blessings must dig pools for the rain to fill as in the valley of Baca, and thus make even that a well. They that sincerely seek for the dew of God's grace shall have it, and by it be made more than conquerors." There's a two-fold process here to receive the blessings of God. It requires faith. You gotta just trust who he is. That he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And then you gotta dig. You gotta do your part. You need to step out in faith and start digging ditches in your life. You need to start positioning yourself by digging in areas where it seems like, wait, this is a dried, arid land. There's nothing here but sand and dirt. But I'm gonna dig. And I'm gonna trust that God somehow, as I dig deeper and dig again and again that god's going to fill that place up that i don't know what that looks like in your life but i believe there are a number of people in this church that need to start digging you start putting yourself in places where it seems like there could be no fruit here and trust god there there are those that have maybe in, in the area of family and marriage have kind of given up and god's saying keep pursuing me He's telling you to extend forgiveness. He's telling some of you, you need to, you need to start doing what you did when you, know, you were dating before you got married. You need, you, need to, you, start, you need to dig the ditch of just we're gonna go on a date night once a week. And we're just gonna position ourselves for God's blessings. Is this answers It's just me. Is, um, that you need to position yourself to receive the blessings of God. You need to dig and dig and dig some more. So I don't know about you all, but when Amy and I, We're sharing the word together and looking at all these stories. I was really excited. Like, man, God, you're so good. You do the craziest things all the time. And you take ordinary people like us and you do extraordinary things. You take a widow who's going to lose her children and you just say, get a bunch of jars and watch me fill them up. And then you do it. And then you take a man who's got leprosy. It's a horrible, heinous disease. And you tell him, just go take a bath seven times in a river. And he's a man full of ego. And and when he declares, I forget this, you can just say, okay, great. You don't want healing. I'm not going to give it to you. But he relents. And he says, okay, I'll give it a try. And you bring healing to him. And then you take a whole group of men who are out to war and they start grumbling and they lose faith. And you tell them, just dig ditches and watch what I can do. God is incredible. And he has blessings for each and every one of us. The good news is that. Maybe the difficult news for some of us is it requires you to do something. You know, I was so proud of not only all the men that came to the men's retreat, but we had about seven or eight uh, young guys that were like 21 and younger at our uh, uh, men's retreat. I was just blown away by just seeing these young guys hanging out together, worshiping God. And, and But what I loved about it is it was Friday night in the summer, and they easily could have been doing something else instead. But they position themselves to see God move in their lives by getting off their fannies and getting in their cars and turning the ignition on and taking the money that it costs young people that don't have a lot of money to go out and to be with God. And they're going to be blessed because of it. You're here. God's going to bless you. But you need to make a decision right now. Are you gonna dig a ditch tomorrow morning as well? Next Sunday, when you know, oh, it's church in the park and there's gonna be this short little message and whatever the thing, and I don't like the sun or I gotta get sunscreen or whatever it is that would keep you from going, are you going to get off your seat and go where Jesus is? Tomorrow morning, Tuesday, whatever it is, any of the days this week, as you wake up and you remember, oh, God loves me so much and wants his blessings to flow. Are, for some of you, the ditching you dig is simply blowing the dust off your Bible and opening it up and saying, God, fill this with you as I open up the word of God. God is alive and well. At the mentor treat, Larry Titus reminded us of this. Two weeks ago, he was in Israel. And he said this, just in case you didn't know this. He said, I went to the tomb and it's still empty. He said, I went and it's still, he said, it's still empty today. It, that's the reality, it is still empty. God is the resurrected king. And as such, we need to surrender to his lordship. <laughs> we need to say, God, we're, we're gonna live by faith, not by sight. God, God, we're going to treasure all that you want to bring to us. God, we're willing to pay whatever price it is. We're willing to take the time to receive all that you have for us. God wants to bless you. The question is, are you willing to pay the price? I want to ask you to consider something right now. Where in your life do you need to step out in faith and start digging a ditch? In other words, think about this in your life. Where are you empty or in need? For the the people of Israel that are desperate, the need was water, right? It was a very obvious need. If we don't get water, we're going to die on the battlefield um, either by de- literally dehydration or gonna be so weak the enemy is gonna kill us. They were desperate for water. Where are you desperate? Where do you need God to show up? And whatever that place is, are you willing to dig and say, God, would you come fill in this place? Are you willing to step into His provision, step into His leading, so His blessings can flow? So as Matthew Henry says, are you willing to go to pursue whatever it takes to receive the due of God's grace? Because one wouldn't come to maybe whatever, it was dew from heaven or a flash flood, whatever it was, however it came, it didn't really matter, right? They just woke up in the morning and the water was there. Are you willing to pursue God at whatever level it takes of you that the blessings might flow? So here's what I want us to do. We've been doing this more and more lately, is I don't want you to sit there and think and do nothing about it. So I'm going to give you about, let's see, I'll give you four minutes. No, I'll give you five minutes. Five minutes. And I want you to say, you're up to four here's why I get five minutes, because it gives you each one minute to share one place where God is calling you to dig or to seek, or maybe an area where you need God to fill, just like the water. So I want you to get groups of four in a second to share, yeah, I need God to f- blow, flow his blessings or, or fulfill an area of this need in my life. And then after all of you share, you get one minute each, then take one minute to pray. And one of you just pray for all four of you in your group. That makes sense? So go ahead, turn to your groups. While you're doing that, the worship team, if you could come on up.